This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. Miss E, your co-host at the kitchen table once more. You look tired. I'm tired and sad. Today is a sad day. Today is a very, very sad day. For those maybe under the age of, uh, over the age of 40. His first album came out in 1978. I know. I know. So... Poor Prince died. Complications of the flu, it seems like. Only 57 years old. Just way too young. Very, yeah, well, it made me feel like, oh, bleep. I'm not that much younger than he is. And it was like a crazy kind of day. It was like, it was a sad day. It, it was a sad day. I have to say that uh, being online more than you are, like, you, you know, you don't um, necessarily just get to... to be sad on your own. Yeah. Like you have to watch everybody else being sad. And yeah. then at some point, uh, you know, like eight hours later, seeing people who are still like, oh, I'm still so sad. Like, I, I, I get it. I understand. But at the same time, like, at, I got a little annoyed uh, with the 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 public uh, bereavement process at some point today. Well, everybody found out at different times. Yeah, but I think also, you know, you do see the virtue signaling uh, that goes on, you know, where people explain what that even means. You use these media, so social media terms. Like I'm supposed to know what the hell you're talking about half the time. Like everybody else is saying how sad they are, so you too have to say how sad you are. And at some point, there's like, you know, like uh, back in the because everything goes back to the Soviet Union with me. But you know, back in the days of Stalin, uh, some you know party leader would give a speech. Nobody wanted to be the first one to stop clapping. Right. Oh, yeah. And no, you don't have to worry about being taken away to the camps now if you're the first one that stops being sad. But there is that that, that sort of uh, social marker that go along to get along. And at some point today, online anyway, where I where, my experience online, it oh. just started to seem a little right, manufactured. Stop. Well, I I just R.I.P. Prince. You know, that was one of my. Then the other one was like, you. I made a comment and it was like, you're my first black boyfriend. Like I was just like, I just thought he was the cutest thing on the planet. And he's a little bitty dude. He's like four eleven. He makes like he's actually taller than he's taller than Peter Dinklage. But I also have a thing for Peter Dinklage too. So it's kind of funny. Like my heaven will be you know Prince and Peter Dinklage apparently. But will, uh, I, will I be around there well, anywhere at all? Well, yeah, because okay. you're you know you're not as short as they are, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's good. I suppose yeah. that uh, I'll be the tallest <laughs> be the, guy. In you will heaven. be. You'll be like the big guy. Hey, I'm the big macho guy. Uh, no, but I, I posted that, and then I posted that the one thing about him was when he played. I think it was a 1999 Grammy Awards with his yellow outfit that he had the buttless pants with. I yes. was like, yeah, I got to share this because this is like, how could you not smile at that cute little booty? So there you go. <laughs> 
I think I remember at the time rolling my eyes. Well, you were what? 1999? 20... 25. 25. And I wasn't running around in assless pants. No, we were married by then. We were. I was still like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that on TV. <laughs> right? <laughs> but now it's. Yeah, now, now that's like the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, right. you know? <laughs> oh, he showed his booty. <laughs> Back then, it was really rather scandalous. Right. Well, beyond the Prince-related news, I know that uh, everybody tuned in to find out, you know, what we were thinking about Prince. Um, yeah. It has been a uh, a relatively busy week. We've been inundated with goat's milk. We have a lot of goat's milk right yeah, now. Yeah, I get... I was trying to explain it in the simplest terms because most people say it in pounds, but I can't. No one visual. No one I know visualize how much milk is pounds. Right. Uh, so every day, I'm getting a gallon and a quart. Wow. On average, which adds up. Oh, you quickly. So yeah. Uh, this today or yesterday, I used two gallons to make some chevre. Over the weekend, I used two gallons to make mozzarella, and then from the way, I made ricotta. And then the next day, I made Italian sausage from some pork that we had in the freezer from hogs that we had processed a while back, so we're making mm-hmm. freezer space. So then I used the ricotta and the sausage to make some really, really yummy um, ravioli. Yep. That was delicious. Uh, so, yeah, but yeah, we've just been inundated with cheese. But you know what I found out today? Chicken's like uh, about to not be able to be eaten mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Well, because we I made it on Sunday and fresh cheese, it doesn't last real long, especially right. mozzarella. And it gets to that funny kind of somewhat soury, funky texture look too. Mm. So I was going to throw it to the hogs because they love that stuff. And they, I was like, oh, chickens could always use some calcium and whatever. So I threw my piece, and man, they were like, what? <laughs> so they ate all of what was left over. They just got, kept saying, here, chickens, and more chickens would come, and I'd throw another piece. They were all, yeah, it was hilarious. Oh, they that's were good, because I know that the, the, the pigs like whey. I know that. We've fed we've, them whey yeah, before. Yeah, we've, we've poured the whey into their feed. We've mm-hmm. given them, um, if you get beet pulp. You can get it in bags from Tractor Supply to feed your hogs, uh, especially when you're getting ready to go ahead and trim them out. Um, you can't feed them that out of the bag. You have to wait. You have to wet it down and pre-soak it. Otherwise, you could you kill your critter because it absorbs water. Right. Um, so you got to pre-soak it so that it doesn't absorb water in their stomach. Anyway, uh, I would mix it up with whey. <clears throat> Yeah, and they dug it. it yeah. Was, it was oh, yeah. Huge but treat for them. I've also read in a couple of my cheese making books that some of the if you take whey and like mix it with Kool Aid, yeah, you get a kind of a probiotic, tangy, refreshing drink that people supposedly like. Really? But these might be for the like same people who like kombucha, and I'm like barfing over the fact that there's people are eating rotten tea, drinking rotten tea. So I'm not too sure I'd like whey flavored with Kool Aid. I'd try it, I suppose. I might. Maybe the next time I make cheese. But I didn't (laughs) do it with the chevre this time. So, yeah. Huh. All right. Well, maybe next time around. Uh, Meanwhile, the garden is sort of in a uh, state of stasis this past weekend. Uh, We were very busy. But you were actually kind of hobbled physically. Yeah, I got to get my... I'm going to the podiatrist tomorrow. I got to get my foot looked at. So, I uh, ended up clearing out the space that we had uh, uh, rototilled. I had rototilled. (laughs) 
yes. <laughs> and you weed you weeded the whole thing though. That was awesome. Yes. So we got it almost ready to go. And I think if the weather holds, we just probably could put these in the greenhouse with the windows open, get them used to being outside and then the t- weather temperatures, we might be able to transplant them. Yeah, hopefully this weekend. We still have yet to get the hogs taken. Um, our our processor uh, was busy this week. Yeah, he was booked so solid. I got to call him. But uh, I, I'm curious to find out because last fall when we had talked with our processor, he was talking about getting USDA certified uh, after the deer season was over and he had a little bit of downtime. So the uh, deer season is over and he's had a little bit of downtime. So I'm curious if everything is good to go and if we could possibly actually you know, get our hogs processed to sell this time I, around. Well, he didn't say anything about, well, we probably have to talk about price differences because I think they would, that would affect his price. But I would think so too, but uh, we'll find out. We talk to him tomorrow and hopefully. I, I, to be honest, I don't think we're going to be able to sell much of these. I mean, they're fatty little guinea hogs. They're going to be mostly sausage meat. If we'll get fatty bellies out of them, but the hog, the hams that I tried to make from American guinea hogs are so fatty on the inside that they were, it was an unpleasant ham experience. Yeah, I wouldn't use the ham, but the bacon, I think, was the most delicious bacon I've ever had. The pork loin was really fatty, too, because I tried to make a Canadian bacon out of that, and that had just a giant blob of fat right through the center of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made good sausage because of the fat-to-meat ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, we could probably use some ribs, but... Yeah, but also in the future... Having that as an option. I'm excited to yeah. have that as an option. Yeah, because then we'll go with less fatty hogs that'll actually have more meat to sell ratio sort of thing, like ham bone and dicky. Uh, exactly. Yeah, this is actually one of the discussions that we've been having right now is, okay, so what do we actually do with the hogs that we have? We're going to get three of them processed, likely, but if we don't really want to keep raising the really fatty hogs. We'd like to try to switch to a different breed. That means that uh, Abigail... Is going to have to go at well, some point. I don't think Abigail's 100% American guinea hog. I think I got kind of duped on that because she doesn't look much like her daughter's as far as snout size and size. Yeah. I think if we bred her to something that was sort of a Berkshire something mix. Right, but I didn't think you could uh, breed the sows to a bigger breed. You can't. That's what I'm saying. If we get it to a slightly bigger than American, but maybe where she, because she's a bit of Tamworth, See, I so think. Now, now you're going to be privy to the conversation we've been having the past couple of days. Right. Because that, to me, doesn't make any sense. To no, me, I it know. just makes more sense to get rid of all of the hogs just and then eat get them all the and get breed new that ones. we want. Yeah. Right. So, that's where we are right now. As long as they'll fit in the Electronet, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and Hambone was taller than the Electronet, and he learned when he was little not to even try to go through it, so mm-hmm. he yeah. never tried to escape. And he was a Berkshire-Tamworth mix. And he uh, was 303 or 330 pounds when he was, it was before. Like, he was, that was how much he weighed on the hoof before I got all the meat out of him. Right, yep. And he would have kept growing, too. I mean, he was only, what, eight months old? Yeah, he wasn't even a year old. He would have been, a couple more years, he would have been a 800-pound hog. Yeah, those were great, great hogs. I would love to raise those again. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment or two. It's time for me to uh, put the youngins to bed. We'll be back with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this quick break. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who was selling his house, the founder of this uh, this company, 
he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's gotta be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust.com. Welcome back to 40 acres and a fool with cam Edwards on the blaze radio network. Hey there. Welcome to 40 acres and a fool. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Miss E, the dishwasher, I think, in the background. Uh, dog around here somewhere. Yeah, dog at our feet. With his floppy feet around there, Mr. Bullet, the big dog. Yeah, the big, big dog. So the uh, the other fun thing um, that happened on Sunday, I, uh, I did play hooky from one of my chores because it got to be about 3.30 Sunday afternoon, Probably should have used the remaining hours of daylight to go ahead and mow, but I didn't want to. Yeah, when, I know. So it's hard. It, it is. I'll have to do it this weekend. But uh, uh, I asked, is it okay if I take a little road trip for a little bit? And you, yeah, lovely said, sure. woman that uh, that you are, said, yeah, I'll see you a little bit. So I, uh, I drove up into Nelson County, Virginia. Um, which is kind of southwest of Charlottesville. It's it's before you get to the Blue Ridge Mountains. There's this little valley called the Rockfish Valley, and there are a lot of breweries and a couple of distilleries. And uh, I found a cider place there that had just opened up called the Blue Toad Cidery. Mm. And I stopped and got a couple of growlers. Um, I'm having a glass of the rockfish amber i think is what it is the uh it's their their main cider yeah i remember you telling me the names but i completely forgot them that one's ambery colored the other one's got a pinker color to it they're both got some cherry i think in it not very bubbly not too terribly sweet no it tastes like a uh a really good apple cider yeah Uh, they're tasty apple juice at this point yeah uh but driving through the uh, rockfish valley was absolutely beautiful drove by a devil's backbone brewery it's just got so this was uh, Virginia's biggest craft brewer, uh, just acquired by Anheuser Busch for an undisclosed amount of money uh, that I'm sure is a boatload. Because I wonder if it's that a, was their plan, you, you know, because you've been reading up on people who create these little craft distilleries or these craft breweries, yeah. with the sole purpose of being bought. Bought with out big money right. by somebody huge. I, I I would almost guarantee that that was at least in the back of their minds now because they they only opened up I think in two thousand and eight and I don't know where their investors came from but they have a huge I, I want to say it's like eight hundred acres there in Nelson County and they throw music festivals there the on the grounds at the oh, Devil's yeah, we Backbone. Were, we, we were there last year with uh, Charles, right? Yeah, yeah. They, Charles Cook. They've got a, a beautiful uh, building. They've got uh, the brewery there. They've got a restaurant on site. And they've it's got a big grounds. Uh, yeah. Another, and that's called the Base Camp. And then they've got another place in Lexington, Virginia, which is about an hour to the west, called the Outpost, which is like a brew pub mm. uh, in the town of Lexington. And I think they 
I, you know, I, I have no idea how many bottles they're doing, but I think they said they're getting ready to to, to ramp up to like fifty thousand cases of production next year. So, well, now they're owned by someone big, right? right? But this is sort of the the standard model now for these uh, breweries and distilleries that are are um, getting started. The the idea going in is we're not building something that our kids can take over or that uh, you know we can leave to our family, and this can be the family owned and family run business. Uh, like so many brands that you see today, uh, you know the, the who's the people on TV right now? The Sargento cheese people, right? Yeah, They're yeah, the uh, they've, got, they've got the, the father and son in the ad, but then the Purdue chicken is now the 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 son who right. took over the company. He's one doing all the commercials. So instead, the idea seems to be okay. So let's get as big as we can really quickly. That's the uh, other growler. That's the black cherry cider that's being opened here. Uh, the idea is to get as as big as possible, uh, as quickly as possible. <laughs> There's a little sound effect in the background. Oh yeah, that is a lot uh, yeah, it's pinker, like a rose. isn't it? Um, and and get the interest of the the big boys, and hopefully start a bidding war. Uh, you know, build up some buzz and some marketing around the the brand. But you, the idea is to build up the brand and then offload the brand to a bigger company. I don't know. It seems so, sort of a sad kind of business model. I think if I was wanting to build a business up, I would want to build a business up so I have a legacy for my family. I think, well, what's, what's really interesting is it, it seems very similar to a lot of the business models of tech companies right now. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, where you've got... And the got, dot coms back in the day. Absolutely. But, you know, you've got these companies that have the value in the hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, and yet their business model doesn't show how they can turn a profit. Um, you know what I mean? But the mm-hmm. idea is, well, if we get a lot of buzz and if we get a lot of users, and it doesn't really matter if we have a lot of profits, like the underwear gnomes, right? Step one, get a lot of users. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Right. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and it's profit. It's profit for the people who create these companies because they're selling out to the to the big companies. The problem is the big companies, you know, they they then assume they the the risk of eventually having to turn the profit off of these smaller entities. Because there's no right? going to be going to be bigger unless like that book you were telling me about, uh, the end of big. Yeah, because there's uh, either going to be there's either going to be like the ginormous megala companies like we the saw Google, in, Google Alphabet, Amazon. Oh, I was just going to like in Idiocracy and in uh, Wall E. Mm-hmm. In those movies, like, they were, like, huge megalore, megalo, you know, right. ginormous corpse. And then there's going to be the little mom and pop stuff. Like, kind of like what I live. Like, I put a jet order in today. But I still go shop local for stuff that I can just buy every day. Mm-hmm. But jet, I can get all the stuff that, you know, allergy medicine, the, you know, that's not going to affect anybody local <laughs> around here. They got to sell it for a price. And, you know, t- bathtub stuff, weird things. Like, I was like, hey. Right. No, it is It is sad. I mean, I, and look, it's, I, I guess it's capitalism. Um, but, you know, for a semi-traditionalist, someone who, you know, values the the history of things to to create something with the intent of, getting rid of it as soon as possible. It just seems kind of weird. I, I would like to see... what of fits in the, the the disposable society that we've seemed to have turned into, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of does, actually. Um, so, anyway, so that was my uh, Sunday. I learned a little bit of history about Nelson County, Virginia, that it was the home to the greatest weather-related natural disaster in 20th century American history. 
That's right. You at, told me. As part of Hurricane Camille uh, in 1969. Which, I had never heard of this. Which actually was a hurricane that came up the Gulf of Mexico. Right. It wasn't off the East Coast where you think it would affect someplace in Virginia. No. Right. Exactly. No. It was the remnants of, of Hurricane Camilla, and it formed just this weird freak weathering pattern, primarily over uh, that valley, the Rockfish Valley. And the weather forecast had only called for, like, showers, but in a 12-hour period, more than two feet of rain fell. There were mudslides. There were more than 150 people uh, who died. There were people who never, whose bodies were never recovered. They're still buried under the mud. You can actually still see on the hillsides some of the scars where there are no trees. I mean, I, and I just oh, kind of wow. never wondered what that was about, but, but, now, uh, you know. but now I know. <clears throat> so got to learn a little bit more uh, Virginia history and had a, a wonderful drive that's one of my favorite things to do is to just get out and explore the state of virginia because it's a really really cool state plus you like to drive your car i do like to drive and listen to loud music and yeah there is that uh, that simple pleasure but this weekend i don't think i'm gonna have the opportunity to do that because uh the weather might not cooperate and give us a sunny weekend we might have might be one of those weekends where we're doing two days worth of stuff in one day well aren't we uh weren't we doing weren't we going to the um uh, auction. We're going to an auction on Saturday, weren't we? Saturday morning, yeah. There is a uh, house that uh, is on my way to work. Uh, the house is for sale, but it's under contract now, which is good because it's only been on the market for about eight or nine months, and around here, that's actually pretty good. Mm. Uh, but they are apparently having an auction. We've been to a couple of auctions since we moved down here, and one of them is actually really, really cool. I met uh, a woman who collects old radios, and so I was able to uh, hook up with her and get an old radio. And then we, um, f- my uh, youngest daughter uh, wanted this tin. Like a 1940s tin dollhouse. Right. And the the original owner of the tin dollhouse was the daughter of the farmer that owned the property that was being sold. She lived on it now. Mm-hmm. She was like this, you know, ancient little old lady. So it was cute. Right. We got a picture taken with her and, and uh, Kid 5 and the dollhouse and... I sent her a follow-up picture when we we put the dollhouse up in her room. So, yeah, and it was really cool because she was like, "Oh, I'm so happy that you know someone is getting this who's actually going to play with it." Right. And our daughter did play with it. Yeah, you know? yeah, she did. She played with it with Littlest Pet Shop care figures. <laughs> so it wasn't like little man, little mannies or people like actually living in a dollhouse. It was like bats and fairies. A and, right. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like whatever those Littlest Pet Shop pets actually were. I don't know, cat morphed into bird things. I, I, I'm sure. Just if you just look up Littlest Pet Shop, you'll just be as confused as I am. But they're like little plastic things with gigantic eyes and pastel colors that she—they're all over the room. They—they they like multiply like mice too. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't know what happened? But. I know. But we'll be uh, going uh, to an auction on Saturday and seeing what uh, what, what kind of neat things they uh, they might have available. I'm always a big fan of yeah, she, books and uh, historical doodads. She right? was actually the one who reminded me of going to the auction on Saturday because I for, had forgotten about it. And she said oh, something about going, oh, blah, 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 the auction on Saturday because she wants to go to her friend's house. So, and But wants to go to the auction, I was like, oh, yeah, we got that auction on Saturday. Oops. So uh, even even uh, even more to take us away from the garden. So I think Sunday's yeah. going to be a very very busy day around here, but it's okay. Um, so we do need to take a quick time out. We have much more, well at least half a show still to go here on uh, this edition of Forty Acres and a Fool. Uh, we're going to hear from you uh, when we come back, and even more from the Forty Acres. So stick around. We'll be back with more right after this. We can talk cheese. 
You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. I uh, I can't run for president because I'm not old enough yet. So sorry, guys. Otherwise, we might be living in kind of a different world right now. That's all I can tell you. I mean, I'm not going to say I'd save the country. But I'm not going to say I wouldn't either. But constitutionally speaking, I am not of I am not of legal age to be the president of the United States. Buck Sexton, weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So, Miss E apparently really wants to talk more about cheese, as you heard as we uh, head into the break. You know, we've already talked a little bit about cheese. Tonight. Oh, I know, but I'm gonna I'm excited because I got uh, some info about not having to have a cheese cave and just using your produce drawer of your refrigerator to try to age cheeses mm-hmm. if you vacuum seal them super tight. The cheeses? Mm-hmm. And put them in like the you know the food saver vacuum seal bags, right? And store them in there and rotate them. It should give you the approximation of having a cheese cave. Okay, so just one question. But I am going to take a class. Well, that's good. It's B Y O M. Be bring your own milk. Yep, bring your own milk okay. and pots and a couple other things. But we have cultures and guidance and presses. And I can't help but notice that in the. Uh, crisper drawer there. We have stuff already. I know. I have to move it because the the <laughs> cold cut drawer, the deli drawer keeps sticking and it's broken and no one can open it. Yeah. So I moved all the cold cuts down into the produce drawer. It's a, that, we bought that refrigerator when we bought our first house together in Oklahoma City in 1999. I know. it's It's been with us for a long time. <laughs> it has because when we moved into our house in Virginia, it moved into the uh, into, the into the garage, and it was the party fridge. It was where we kept all the beer and stuff. But now it's the main fridge, so it's. Mm-hmm. And I had to buy a whole bunch of replacement parts online because all the door <laughs> things had broken off. And okay, tell me more about the class that you're going to take, because I bet our audience is more interested in you taking a cheese making class than the dimensions of our 17 year old fridge. Yeah. So cheese cave aside, um, it's going to be uh, bring your own milk. And a pot and a couple other things. Uh, there'll be guidance and cultures and cheese presses and, you know, instructions. So probably, a, you know, a couple of people working together, um, everybody trying to make a recipe that you want to figure out. Okay. And then there's going to be the main cheesemonger lady who's going to guide you through the process of the cheese that you want to make. So if you borrowed um, your neighbor's culture there at the cheese making class mm. would you be guilty of cultural appropriation ha. Oh. get it if i was making like queso blanco i guess <laughs> <laughs> uh but all cheeses are from everywhere like it's kind of no, i just meant because you're no, taking I the know. culture no i know <laughs> <laughs> don't don't think too much it's just a dad joke that's all it's a bad joke <laughs> A bad dad a joke. A bad dad joke. Uh, my friend would know about that. Her dad was famous for bad dad jokes. He was a history teacher at my high school. Yeah. But she was in high school. It, it, and, and it was an unfortunate thing for her and her brothers and sisters because when she was a freshman, she had a brother and or a sister in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And their dad was the history teacher. And it was just, you know, everybody knew about him and his really bad jokes. So right. they, they, they bore the brunt of that. So, yeah. <laughs> 
bad dad jokes are a uh, they're a simple pleasure for they are for, for dads bad, for, for dads you know. <laughs> and then if you're someone like Jim Gaffigan, they uh, they can make you a multimillionaire, right? So. Sha. <laughs> <laughs> I he's, saw that he was he's doing a minivan commercial Right, now. and he's pulling out of somebody's driveway where it looks like it's supposed to be his house. And I'm like, I'm watching this with one of the kids. I'm like, he lives in an apartment in New York. He lives in a two-bedroom apartment with five children in New York City. There's no way he would have this to park anywhere. Like, I, I don't think he really is a user of the thing that he says he's using. Well, maybe not. Maybe, you know, if he has to get a rental, yeah, he gets the, the one Chrysler he gets. Pacifica. <laughs> or maybe Chrysler gave him one and he's got a little, you know, side house somewhere that he uh, can keep <laughs> that in. I, I, I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know. Maybe he's still in that uh, two-room apartment, but I'm I'm guessing that uh, Jim Gaffigan may have actually upgraded. I should then. hope at this then by, by this point. <laughs> but you know that there are those diehard New Yorkers that are like, never! They will never leave their... You know, rent-controlled, rent right. tiny little box in the sky, no matter what. But, pff, ah, no, not uh, me. Yeah, no. I, I have no desire to live in a tiny house. I have no desire to live in a micro-apartment. Oh, please. Right? I was, oh, so, speaking of this, a, a commercial came on about that. They're, the people are like, well, there's no rent, no this, no that. And one of our children said. What do you mean, no rent, no this, no that? For what? For a tiny house. Oh, to own a tiny house. Okay, so this is my children came to me and said, is it true? I'm like, well, you have to buy the tiny house. And then you can't just park it anywhere. You have to park it someplace where you have access to um, sewage facilities mm-hmm. in, in case it's like an RV where you have the septic system on board. And then you have to be able to off put your sewage and bring on water. And yeah, then you have to pay rent because you have to rent space in a campground to do that. Or you have to rent something or you have to pay space to park i mean it's not free you just it's not like hello i am a gypsy and i can park this anywhere it's it's still not how it works there's still money involved so they're lying to people they're trying to make it like this Ooh, carefree let me tow my house around park it anywhere existence but that's not the case unless they're like cousin eddie and they've got and they're cousin just Clark to, to cousin park in the, Clark to park right? in front of, and they can just dump their down the sewage system. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, I was like, please don't do that, tiny house nation people. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So no desire for a tiny house, no desire for a micro apartment. Tiny I, house on the property to use as a guest quarters that would be kind of cool. But then it's also not a tiny house. It's just a it's just a cabin, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, so. tiny houses used to be called hovels, but then they, uh, <laughs> they got, then, they, then the marketers got a hold of the uh, intense right, and all of a sudden, ooh. Speaking it's of that, I saw a story today, and it was some sort of I can't remember what it was called, like the New Urbanist or something like that. It was some oh, some website, right? Uh, and it was basically how do we convince hipster millennials to live in trailer parks uh, in the city? That was well. Turn them all into like those airstream trailers. Yeah. Like they're all like silver and cool looking, right? Because then you might have the hipsters move in. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that's the uh, that's the case. But you know, they spray paint them pretty colors, right? But the story talked about how uh, trailer parks actually have some zoning leeway that uh, a lot of places don't, and and so if you've got um, you know, sort of a housing shortage that this is actually one of the easiest ways to try to put some additional. Yeah, because apparently you don't have to pay property taxes even if you own your mobile home. It's more right. like you're paying your car tag. 
Right. <laughs> so if you can, uh, if you if you got a, a a you know local governing body that uh, is not opposed to the idea of having trailer parks, then you know it, it's feasible. It makes sense as sort of uh, you know lower income maybe starter uh, uh, homes for people. But um, the idea is to try to make them hip, and so yeah, I, I, you will see in the next year or so. Uh, the same sort of rebranding of the the tiny house. This will be the mobile home nation. So I don't know. I, it's 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 just interesting to me how it all comes back to the rebranding. Like it's not about whether or not it makes sense. No. Uh, if you're just starting out to you know look, you've got more space, you've got a cheaper rent, or or even a, a, a you know a, a house payment that you could afford. Like there are actually legitimate reasons. Well, there's and there's privacy because there's a lot got to be a lot more privacy in a mobile home than there is in an apartment. Right. Because you don't have anybody up over you, around you, you know. Exactly. But this article, like, mentioned none of that. It was all just basically... Trying to make it hip. Yeah. How do we make this hip? Well, you, what you do is you put a man bun on it, and then you have it grow a beard and wear uh, those cargo shorts mm-hmm. and plaid untucked long sleeve shirts like with the sleeves rolled up every apparently that's like the hipster man look around here every home comes with a free eight track player so you know Ooh. you can be ultra hip while your that's friends cool. while your lamo friends are listening to vinyl you I have are to the say, epitome of cool because at, you're listening to eight track at one point in my life uh after my parents got divorced and my mother was thinking of moving uh, we actually looked at some um mobile homes mm-hmm and I was, well, I, I always had a house, and I was kind of like, what, "What are we doing here?" But I was ridiculously surprised. It was like it was like walking into a TARDIS. Like it was surprisingly spacious, considering it was just a big box. Right. Once you got in, you didn't feel like you were in a box. It actually felt like it was kind of a whole house. Yeah. The little the the match bedroom was nice. The little bedrooms were like ridiculously tiny. My sister and I would have to sleep on top of one another, basically. But, uh, but yeah, it was. I was really surprised. And my aunt lived in one in Florida. It was the same thing. It was just like, this is a lot nicer and and more palatial on the inside than I thought. But still, it's not. It's it's just weird to think that yeah this is the hipster thing to do now, right? It yeah. just doesn't seem to be a hip. But, but then again, they have the tiny houses. This is this this is be, between the the tiny house and the cute studio apartment nation. It's the little nation. It's the yes, and it's sort of the impermanent nation it as is. well, which is mobile uh, home kind of interesting, right? All right, we're gonna take a, a quick timeout. When we return here on this edition of Forty Acres and a Fool. Missy might not be with us. I don't know. You look like you're getting ready to fall asleep here. I'm yawning, but um, (laughs) you can do it. We have emails, right? You can can do do it. it. We've got one more segment. One more segment. All right, stick around. We'll be right back with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Severin. I'm talking to all of us who say, I won't vote for Trump because as of last night, eventually there's a good chance you knew that this would boil down to you vote for Donald Trump or you vote for a known domestic enemy of the Constitution of the United States of America. And right now, that's looking pretty darn likely a choice. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 
40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, Miss E, one last segment here. Uh, and getting to uh, some of your emails, I did have a, uh, an email a couple of weeks ago, and um, someone was asking about the best book uh, that uh, I could recommend for someone just getting started or who wants to get started uh, in homesteading or, or having your small farm. Uh, Joel Salatin, uh, You Can Farm, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Start and Succeed in a Farming Enterprise, I think would probably be the best book to read beforehand, before you do anything. Uh, because Joel will tell you about the things that will go wrong, uh, he will tell you about uh, the the misconceptions that you have going in, um, you know, and it, it really is a an eye opener because it's not it, it is a hey you can do this, but it's also a hey really think about what you want to be doing well, kind of book. He he got his parents' farm mm-hmm. like he already had the the wherewithal like he had the property and everything else. He just you know changed it up to be the thing that like the the. Not self-sustaining, but like the the rotational, the rotational grazing, the grazing, and, right. and all the way I moves his animals around. But yeah, he had that. But like at least he had a he had a farm to start with. <laughs> yeah, well, his dad had bought it in the '60s, but it was in really bad shape apparently. And so this was part of what he and his dad had done is they spent you know a good twenty years trying mm. to rebuild the land and filling in all the ravines and uh, reclaiming the pastures. But but he's it's it's a really interesting book. It's called You Can Farm: The Entrepreneur's Guide to Start and Succeed in a Farming Enterprise. Uh, interestingly enough, right now at Amazon, it is the number one bestseller. This came out a few years ago. Uh, it is the number one bestseller in business entrepreneurship. Hmm. So that, that to me that that's kind of an interesting little factoid that the uh, the number one book in uh, entrepreneurship that people are reading about is not about a it's not about a right a, a tech company. It's no. not about you know build your app company. Uh, nope, it's about how to be a farmer. Well, not everybody can be a computer programmer. I mean, there's a lot of things. It's like <laughs> that whole like uh, the the minimum wage thing. I was like, oh, it's like there's there's sort of like a little bit of a lie. Like, yeah, you can be anything you want to be, because you can't really. Because there's some people who just don't have the fine motor skills to be a neurosurgeon, and there are some people that just don't have the math capability to be a physicist. I mean, they're just like. Yeah, you yourself might have some limitations as to what you can do. I'm like, yes, you should push yourself to do the best thing that you can do that you are capable of. But not everybody is capable of all things. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, um, but as far as businesses, mm-hmm. I think everybody can dig a hole in the ground and figure out how to move <laughs> dirt and take care of critters and stuff we're doing it and we're not killing anybody so, so no far, so good we're not also trying to make a profit either I think no. this is, you know so when you get into the business side of it uh yeah if if you can put in the the labor in the toil uh you can probably get some stuff to grow but then it's a matter of growing enough stuff and being able to sell it at a price point that means you can actually make some money off or of this growing right? enough stuff Early enough with enough variety so that you can be a CSA supplier and right. Yeah, a lot of it is, is knowing who your audience is going to be and being able to uh, to reach out to them um, without you know breaking the bank in terms of marketing Tell and things you. like that. Tiny tomatoes, saladettes, the grapes, all the little ones that I want to take to farmers market, but I don't mm-hmm. have enough time to do. Right. There's your clue right there. No one, none of the farmers markets around. I have them. They have the big ones. They have the funny colored ones, but they don't have. The cute, pretty, yummy, tasty ones. So, 
there's the little, your idea. Cherry side. Yeah, like the blush and the tigers right. and the and the harvest the the what the ones we like so much. The uh the sun golds. Sun golds, yeah. Yeah, those are delicious. Harvin's oh. yellow gooseberries. Like, right. You don't find these anywhere. Also, uh our friend Greg, the llama and alpaca farmer, says uh he actually wrote into a pronoun- uh, correct my pronunciation on uh, Bothell, Washington. Uh, he says, I love the interaction between Miss E and you, but I also miss the squeaking of the goats in the background. Oh, the babies are no longer in the house. We have, Out of the six we had this year, five were sold. Four of them were boys. So the, the fact that I was able to sell four boys was amazing. Uh, uh, one went to his own little harem of two does. One went to an, uh, another girl that's going to be coming forthwith. Uh, one went to be a pet, and one went to be a therapy animal pet. So, mm-hmm. um, but we kept one girl here. She's outside because it's nice and warm, and she's big enough. She's still being bottle fed. She gets two bottles a day, uh, but she is. If she's not necessarily playing nicely with the other older goats, she's avoiding their wrath because uh, she's faster and little. So. Yeah, she's a uh, she's a pretty cool. She's little cute. Goat. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's she's good. I, I I like her. It's gonna be good to have her around. And it is uh, it's good that we only have her around as far as the babies go, because otherwise we would be overrun with goats. And, yeah, uh, I'm we really don't. glad we we're already kind of overrun with uh, chickens right now. We talked about the massive amount of uh, goat smoke we're getting. We're also getting too many eggs. To getting eat. like well, we that's because we we adopted our. F- friends flock we, we, right. we talked about this yeah. right the dog yeah okay so we have seven additional chickens so we are getting on average between the 13 hens 10 eggs a day yeah yeah with five people in the house three of them kids you know i can't eat that many eggs like i made hard-boiled <laughs> eggs i made mayonnaise i made two pound cakes using some of the chevre and 12 eggs but I do have a friend who wants to take a dozen off or dozen or so or more off my hands at the end of the week because she hatches them out. So that'll be good. And yeah. uh, and although they're not ours, our neighbor's cows are back as well this week. And, and yeah, I know they're not ours, but it's so nice to see them. We feel I feel like such a real farmer to see <laughs> big, big meat cows in the front pasture. I just like arg like. I'm also looking at one and thinking, how much do they cost to raise out to be meat? And maybe we should talk to our neighbor. Well, I did see a uh, a little a sign in the uh, country store slash gas station slash gun store slash barbecue store. They um, do have a big barbecue. <laughs> that uh, there's a cow share for sale, uh. actually. So we should talk about, about that and maybe doing a cow share. Or even what if a, we could trade? I was going to say pork, some sort of pork swap yeah, cow a, share, right? Yeah, I think we could probably do that, something like that. Maybe, maybe throw in a little, uh, uh, you know, homemade mozzarella and you know whatever, milk, right? whatever. Ah, oh, man, seriously, <laughs> goat's milk is the preferred uh, milk of choice for people whose children can't drink milk, milk like the right. babies and stuff like that. And I can remember one of our friends telling me that their mom was selling it for like $35 a gallon to people. Wow. And the outside of the Baltimore, Maryland, you know, area. So I was like, yeah. I mean, it's like, which makes sense because if you go to Walmart, even one quart of goat's milk is like five nine nine. That's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like liquid gold you're pumping out of these goats. Yeah, and I got except s- it's illegal for us to sell the raw milk. No, we cannot sell raw milk, and we cannot sell raw milk cheese, and we cannot sell cheese that's made from raw milk 
unless it's been aged for 60 days in the state of Virginia. So, yeah. but, we uh, can, but we can drink it ourselves. We can, and we do. And uh, I've been putting it in the plastic milk jugs for months. <laughs> yeah, no one's noticed the dates on the milk cartons. <laughs> Have gone like <laughs> ages ago. So hey, I just, mom, this was expired in October of last year. Well, it's not been that not long. Not that long because since we started yeah, milking, but, right? Uh, but still, yeah. So I just I have two gallon containers, and then I just put them in and just put them in the fridge. And yeah, the one kid who last year said I don't want to drink goat's milk, he's been drinking it for months. There you go. That is the perfect parental story to end on, right? The uh, the the worthwhile deceptions of parents, right? Well, it's <laughs> what it's, you don't know won't hurt you, and you know it's better for a digestive system. Yada yada. There's a lot of good properties for it: uh, raw milk versus whole milk, goat's milk versus whatever. It's better, you know. I'm just whatever. To me, it's like I don't have to buy milk. <laughs> why, why would I buy milk when I keep milking every day, twice a day? So yeah, it's a good thing. All right. Well, on that uh, happy note, happy note, we are gonna uh, probably wander off to bed here. I think, I think so. right? Dogs out, lock up. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Have a fantastic week. I, I feel like I should make some sort of hot sauce reference since Hillary was talking about hot sauce this week. And you, you did bring a bottle and, to and work today, I right? I did. I did, but I, I didn't have a chance to uh, flash it on the air, show off my uh, hot sauce so we, swag. But so we have our own hot sauce swag because we make it here. Right. So you, you need to start carrying some in a bag, apparently, with you at all times, just in your purse. Uh, the problem is I usually don't carry a purse, so I'm going to have to go special order some little tiny bottles to put them in my pocket, so I'm like, oh. <laughs> Here's some of my corny goat farm hot sauce. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, listen. I have put a... that bleep on everything. Is that the is that the motto? No, that's Frank's <laughs> hot sauce, and they say I oh. put that on okay. everything. Ah. So I said I okay. put that bleep on everything. Well, thank you. Because I'm not saying bad words like Frank. Thank says. you for <laughs> including your own bleep there. All right. <laughs> We got almost through an entire episode before Missy had to self-bleep herself. But uh, with that, we're going to head off to bed. (laughs) You foul-mouthed woman. Uh, Have a fantastic week. You can follow Missy and all of her adventures uh, at Corny Goat Farm on the Instagram, on Twitter. I am Cam Edwards. I'm also Cam Edwards on Instagram as well. And until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And we'll see you here soon on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.